RadioInfluence.com. Welcome, 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 welcome back to Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. How's everybody doing out there this week, man? Listen, man, listen. I just returned from World Superbike Motor America Weekend in, in, in beautiful, beautiful Monterey, California. World Superbike uh, Moto America racing uh, in, incredible, incredible race action, incredible uh, just energy and just, oh man, if you, you know, I, I would I could easily assume that if you're listening, you've been to a race. If you have not, if you have not, do yourself a favor, get out to a race and just partake in the awesomeness, the energy, the positivity, the excitement. It's phenomenal. Um, had a great weekend. Thanks to my family at Ducati, North America, uh, to my family at Pirelli. Uh, oh man. To my people at WeatherTech, Mazda, Laguna, Seca Raceway. And they keep changing the name of the circuit. So I hope I got it right. But shout out to my man, Connor. Shout out to my people at Dorna World Superbike. Even, even ran into my homie, BT. My homie, BT. You guys know BT. He writes, uh, MotoGP with BT for... Sport by Sync Magazine. Uh, yeah, ran into BT and we kicked it for a portion of the weekend and just so much greatness. Uh, shout out to my bro, bro, Tom Sykes. Shout out to Chaz Davies. Uh, congratulations, Chaz, on that win. Major, major accomplishment. Good job, man. Um, yeah, just so much greatness. So much greatness. Black Moses truly appreciates everybody that had a hand in his phenomenal weekend. I want to give a particular special shout out to two people. Um, Mondays, customarily, the Monday after World Superbike Moto America weekend, Pirelli, shout out to my family at Pirelli, for real, love you. Pirelli holds a VIP track day at Laguna and gives, uh, gives you the mostly media and notable individuals an opportunity to ride the track. It's a track day. It's a track day. Um, and I've done it for the last several years. And, oh, man, talk about if you if, if you have a bucket list and that track's on there, you might want to reach out to the team at Track Days. And Track Days is the operational organization that actually runs the uh, logistics uh, and, you know, tactical aspects of the track day. Their coaches are out there. It's their flaggers. Um is, you know, they're doing registration and administrative duties. So they are the, that's the team, Track Days. They're the team that actually is doing the inner workings of the day. Um, so it's Laguna. It's Laguna. It's the corkscrew. It's, it's it, you know, it's, oh man, it's Rainy Corner. It's, there's so much stuff that that track embodies, the elevation changes, the tight technical turns. And after a couple of years of doing it, and I typically, this is how I, my brain works. A track that I am not super familiar with or that I don't get to do all the time, like New Jersey Motorsports Park, Thunder, uh, Thunderbolt, that's my, that's my home track. Um, so I have the little, I, my, my memory of that track is proficient. Uh, with Laguna, it's a track that I get to ride one day, once a year. And so my process is typically the first two sessions, it's me getting my mind back to where, what everything is and how to do what fourth. Then there's the third session before lunch is usually when things start to come together for me. Then there's lunch. So now you're now you go cold for an hour and then you get back out there. And usually the session after lunch is when I feel the most comfortable. I was having some issues this, you know, this year. Nothing major, and I'm particularly talking about the corkscrew. Where to put the bike, where to tip it in to get the best drive out of the corkscrew. And you know, it wasn't 
it was something that I noticed. I noticed myself that I could do better. I, I feel comfortable with other portions of the track. And I, there's always improvement to be made. There's always work to do. But this particular day, I wanted to work on my entry into the corkscrew and my drive out of the corkscrew. So I talked, I had, it was, man, I'm just going to put it out there. Shout out to Jake Zimke. Shout out to Randy Momola. I had a conversation with Jake during lunch, during lunch. And I told Jake, I just asked him, I said, Jake, look, pro tip, I need it. Um, (laughs) I said, I need help with the corkscrew. And my point of relaying the story to you is that always ask, always ask. Ask if you were in the company of someone that is a professional or proficient or just has more experience than you and you want to improve yourself, ask questions. Ask. So I asked Jake, Jake, where do I put the bike? Jake said, where is the bike right now? And I told him, I said, well, it's kind of here. He says, you want to be over here and line it up here. And then when you get there, then you can go ahead and tip it in. He, is, he, he said, you want to wait a little bit. Don't tip it in right away because if you tip it in right away, you're going to be offline. So I said, okay, that makes perfect sense. I go back out for my next session and I, and I, I, I purposefully, purposefully put into play what Jake told me. Jake said, put the bike right here, line it up here. When you get here, you'll be able to tip it in and then you'll be able to drive out. So I did it and it and it made a difference. It made a huge difference. Just that small, you know, couple feet, you know, maybe a foot over to the left to begin to drive up the hill to put you and put you in the bike in the right spot to tip it in made a huge difference. <clears throat> Had a little something right there. Sorry about that. So on my the next lap around, I was good and I felt as though I could maybe wait a little bit longer before I could tip it in. And that might set me up to be in a better position for a better drive out of the corkscrew. So you know what your boy did? I just waited just a little, just a little long, just a hair longer to tip the bike in. So I drove up the hill. I got to right, right to the point where I tipped in last time, but I held it just a little bit longer before I tipped in. I tipped in left, right, and on the right, I just got on the throttle and I drove out of that corkscrew and it felt so much better. Session was over. I find Jake. I go get him. I give him a big hug. I say, thank you. I love you. Because it made all the difference in the world. It's just, just asking that question and, and asking, where can I, how can I do this better? How can I do this better? Randy Momola, Mr. Momola. I go over to him and we're just talking, you know, shout out to Dakota. Dakota's a homie. Um, we're, you know, I, and I just asked, uh, well, Mr. Uh, Mamola, Randy asked me, he said, how's your day going? So I'm, I'm talking to him about what's going on. I talked to him, how I talked to Jake and my mental struggle of realizing, look, this is a track that I only get to ride one day, once a year. And Randy made a statement to me. He said, the track, I was expressing that, you know, tr- waiting for the memory to come back. You know, you know, you have to remember where certain things are, and it takes a little bit of time to warm up for your brain to actually kick it in. Randy said to me, he said, Black Moses. That's right, Randy Mamola. <laughs> he said, Black Moses. He says, it's not the track that changes. It's your mind. The track stays the same. The track stays the same. And he said that, and it made sense. It was, it's my mind, it's there. The, the, tracks, the track is what it is. It is what it is. So me, myself, I'm in my head. I have to do my job. The track's doing what it's designed to do. It hasn't changed. It's not going to change. It is what it is. My job is to connect to that memory, connect to that muscle memory, and remember what it is I'm supposed to do. The track knows what it's going to do and it's going to do it. I need to recall what my job is and do what I'm supposed to do. With that said, with that said, those two gentlemen, those two gentlemen really helped me get the most out of my Monday at Laguna. It really, it, 
And, you know, I, and I express my thanks to both of them. Um, but I want to just formally say, Jake, appreciate you, bro. Randy, thank you. You guys are great. You guys made a huge difference. Uh, Black Moses appreciates you. Thanks. With that being said, welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, y'all. Let's ride. My guest this week is an avid motorcyclist, as well as a globe-trotting moto journalist. Most importantly, she's kind of like my kid's sister. Please welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, Debbie Ducati. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, buddy? I am fantastic in Miami alone. Wow. Okay. Okay. So right off the bat, let's just talk about the Miami situation. Let's just get it out in the air. So when it comes up throughout the interview, you know, the people will have a point of reference. So do you want to give your version of it or should Black Moses give his Black Moses version of the, uh, I don't want to say the Miami that didn't happen, but basically that's pretty much how you're going to sum it up as the 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 Miami that didn't happen. How do you want to break it down? I think you should break it down. Okay, so what had happened was uh, first and foremost, we had a great weekend at Laguna Seca Mazda, or what are they? They didn't change the track's name. It's it's WeatherTech Mazda Laguna Seca uh, Raceway. So we had a great weekend out there for World Superbike, Superbike Moto America, and the bro bro Tom Sykes, of course, uh, who had a decent weekend. Man, he had a good weekend mm-hmm. uh, on his BMW S one thousand RR. Shout out to Chess Davies. Uh, for getting, you know, his win on Sunday in race two. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good things uh, from the weekend. But prior to the weekend, your boy, Mr. Black Moses, was supposed to go down to, go down to Miami and kick it with Tom Sykes and the homegirl, Debbie Ducati, and a couple of other people. But... You know, things happen, and I had to back out of the trip. So I was, uh, I've been plagued with the Miami uh, shots ever since I had to let both Tom and Debbie know that I would not be joining them in Miami. So that's the yeah, Miami. That's last minute. It was last minute too, but it was, you know, it was something out of my control. I've promised to make it up to them. And I honestly think that when it does happen, it's going to be so major that you guys will just be like, you know what? I'm so glad that it didn't happen back in July and that we waited until now, whenever that is, it will be well worth the way. Patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. But that's the Miami deal. Moving on, Debbie Ducati, welcome to Life in the Fast Lane. How are you? What's really good? Everything's great, you know, recovering from World Superbike. Yeah. Did you have a good weekend? I had an amazing weekend. Okay. Okay. You got some notifications popping off. I know you are a super busy person. You are. <laughs> You're popular. It's okay. You're popular. It's it's what happens. That's what happens on Life in the Fast Lane. You know, we have, I have only the most popular people as guests, you know, but you're not just a guest though. You're family, you know, jokingly around the paddock, you know, I, I tell people you're my little sister. We've gotten into plenty of adventures, which I don't think we'll get into today, but we've gotten into some adventures. Would you agree? Of course. Yes. Yes. Not too many, just a few. I mean, just I'm sure it would have happened in Miami. Could have added that, but. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, I'll put it like this. There's been situations where I was contemplating how much money was available for uh, for bail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, happy that I had the lawyer on speed dial. But, you know, hey, it's, you know, life's an adventure. But I want to talk to you. You know, like you and I, we've been buddies for a number of years. Do you remember when we first met? I do. Do you remember? I do remember. Were we just talking about this, right? We were. It was Austin, <laughs> right? Austin yeah. for Steve. Yes, it was. In your chicken wings. You were teaching everyone how <laughs> to chicken wings. 
All right, you're going to have to break that down. You're going to have to break that down. I don't even know how to get this off. I'm trying. It's okay. You're a popular person. You're a popular person. What um, what's the chicken wing deal? What? Because I remember it, but you know, from your point of view, what's the deal with the chicken wings? You were eating chicken wings. Okay. And everyone was leaving the meat on the chicken wings and you went apeshit <laughs> and pretty much said, you need to watch me and see how I eat these chicken wings. And okay. Wait a minute. Wait, you're saying, see that part, I don't recall. So oh, you're saying that you're saying I got upset because people weren't eating chicken wings properly. Kind of. <laughs> well, listen, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to eat wings. I'm going to keep it 100. All right. I'm keeping 100. Listen, when you, eat chicken wings, buffalo wings, okay? And if, when you're done, if there is, if there, if you can see meat on the bone, you should not be eating chicken wings. You don't know what you're doing. Put the, <laughs> put the wing down, walk away from the plate, and just, just leave, leave. The proper way to eat, the sign of a properly eaten chicken wing, it, it's very simple. It should just be bone. That's it. No, no meat left. No residual meat. No, no, no. It should be bone. So I do have a technique on how to uh, properly eat a chicken wing. And I, Debbie, you were you were privy to that. Did I break it down? You did break. I mean, I wasn't paying attention. I don't eat. Of course, meat, you weren't. But... Oh, you are, yes, with all due respect to the to the vegan community, to the vegetarian community, Debbie does not eat meat, but. You were I, you were in the room when I, I broke it down. You did, and you did well. I mean, kudos to you. You eat meat, you can't just waste it. So. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. See, I think they, as a, are you vegan or vegetarian? Vegan. Okay, now as a vegan, the vegan community should appreciate the fact that Black Moses does not waste food, particularly meat, okay? So I was teaching other carnivores, other meat eaters, how to <laughs> be respectful of the vegan community and the vegetarian community so that when you eat meat, you don't waste anything. And most importantly, how to properly eat a chicken wing. Damn, <laughs> that was when we first met. But it was Austin for GP, right? Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, that wasn't like the first moment we first met, but that was like the first dinner, the first hangout with everyone. Because remember, we met in the hotel and I came down and I was like so shy and I was such a little wallflower. <laughs> yeah, you see, I like how you said that because the, the hint of sarcasm in your voice um, <laughs> is, is apropos. I was with another adventure with Tyson Deck for a big bro, Ty. Shout out. I see you, big bro. We were in, in it was for GP. Was it the first GP in Austin? It was, I believe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and you know, that was just a, that was such a red weekend. There was so much stuff going on, so much fun and so many activities. Um, and I remember you, we were all staying in the same hotel and in the lobby, you know, I remember seeing you, you were with Vicki Smith, shout out to the sister, my, my homie, Vicki, what's good, Vicki? Um, you guys were there. And of course, Vicki is very much a social butterfly. She talks and she has a lot of knowledge and she is a very approachable person. You, however, were kind of faded into the back of the room of the lobby, like straight playing the wall. And I was thinking like, okay, wow, she seems cool, but like maybe she's just really nervous. Maybe she's really shy. You know, didn't think too much of it. And then, then I saw you come out of your shell. I remember when, you know what it was? I remember, I realized that when I thought you were coming out of your shell, I realized that it was a facade. There was no shell. You were straight casing the drink the whole time. You were just trying to see who was who and who you could get down with and who was really cool. So, you know, I, I, I saw what you did. I peeped your game. I peeped your game. <laughs> when, when was the time? That you first saw me get out of my shell or the fake shell. <laughs> At least you admit it. So um, this I was... say that. I was just repeating. Right? You were on the grid. Didn't you not uh, have Umbrella Girl duties that weekend? Uh, I did. Yes. And it was your outfit and seeing you on the grid. I was like, ain't no way in hell this woman is going to be a... Uh, 
going to play the wall, going to be shy, <laughs> wearing what you were wearing out on the grid in front of all the race fans, all the racers, and TV. I was like, no, she faking the funk. She ain't real right, she ain't real right now, y'all. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then we started. I forget what our initial conversation was, or how we became friends or buddies. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, you, you link up with people and you, you vibrate at a certain level and energy and then people just kind of vibrate toward each other that should be in each other's company. And I got to tell you, since we became tight, it's been an adventure ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, so that's how you and I kind of came to, to create and, and, uh, develop our friendship uh, but I want to talk to you about your your beginnings as a motorcyclist. How did you come to motorcycles? How did motorcycles come to you? Um, so basically my dad. My dad has had motorcycles forever, ever since I was young. Um, who's started- your dad? Who's your dad? Come on, keep it 100. Yeah, the shift tech. <laughs> uh, shift tech racing shop. You know, I've always mispronounced your dad's name or thought I was mispronouncing his name. But then I realized that I think I actually was saying it right, that he was, but he was purposefully misspelling it. Is that correct? Mm, if you're talking about Facebook, yes, it's purposely misspelled. Yes. Um, but it's Guido, like, you know, the Guido, like the Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Basically, how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, but yeah, he owns Chef Tech. Um, and basically, that's how I got into it. He started off with go karts. Um, he did some supermoto, but here and there until he realized he had to calm down because he had a daughter. Mm. But basically, that's just how I got into it. I was always around the bikes and I wanted one. And he didn't want me to get one. It was like forbidden, basically. We let really? me have a bike and um, a four-wheeler. But then I think it was when I was 15 or 14, I wanted a bike. And in Florida, you can get your license at 16. But he said I had to wait till I was 18, hoping that I would get out of the, you know, wanting to get my license. And that didn't happen. <laughs> so. <laughs> Once I turned 18, I was like, okay, I'm signing up for a course, um, which my friend teaches. So I did that, passed it. Um, pretty easy, actually. It's probably dangerous for people in Florida. They should make it a oh. little more difficult. Oh um, but it was a good class. Um, the instructor was great. Got my license. And then he surprised me with a 696 Monster. An flat black. What? Yes, pure color. <laughs> what? Yeah, of course, color. You know, Black Moses. Black Moses stays dripped in blackness. What year was that? Uh, an '09. Well, so the you're... bike. The bike is an '09. But I got it when I was 18. I don't know. Let me do the math. Do I really have to do the math right now? Do I have to show my age right now? No, you don't. No, you we'll, we'll, You know, we'll keep some mysteries about. Let's just say it was when you turned 18, you got hooked up. Is that right? Correct. Nice. So the, your first bike was a 2008 Ducati Monster. It was 09. 09. And what was the model? It was a 6? Six? 696. 696. Okay. Murdered out. Was it the dark or was it, was it like the... The or was it the gloss black or the no, dark? Dark matte. Nice, nice. Of That's... course, it went straight full carbon fiber, but <laughs> it didn't have it long black, black. But yeah, it was great, and I was really excited. And I remember just like hopping on, and I wanted to ride everywhere. And my mom was like freaking out because she's like, "You can't ride alone; it's dangerous." And then my dad like. My dad started lying and would be like, oh, she's riding with me and I really wouldn't be riding with him. <laughs> wow. Good looking out, G. Good looking out, G. <laughs> so, so, so that was, you know, your first bike. Do you still have that bike? I do. But you have a fleet right now, right? Don't you have a couple? I have a Scrambler as well. Okay. Scrambler. I have the Icon. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, I got that when it first came out. How many years is that for now? Maybe. Okay. Roughly. Um, I did have other bikes, but I don't at the moment. I hope to add. 
Of course, of course. Always adding to the stable. People say, uh, Black Moses, are you uh you gonna get that one? And I'm and I'm like, Yeah, eventually. And they're like, Well, which one are you gonna get rid of? I say, excuse me, get rid of. I don't okay. know that word. I, it's called make more room. That's what that that's what that is. You make more room, you accrue, you accrue your collection. Um, so your dad was was he your I don't want to say was, is he your major influence into becoming a biker? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, like my mom, like definitely not into bikes. And I live in Florida, so I don't, I was one of the only people that were my age that had a bike, you know, or had interest or, you know, wanted one or, you know. Even if well, this is another story we'll get into, but like no one knows about like motorcycle racing. You know what right. I mean? So yeah. it was a hundred percent my dad. And then luckily, like I got to meet his friends and they all ride. So that's pretty much who still to this day that I ride with. How have motorcycles influenced your life? Like, you know, have, I mean, it's easy to say that they've enriched you. I mean, that's what we do it for. We ride bikes because it's not because we have to, it's because we want to, and we get to, that's what our passion is. It's so for, for so many, it's an, it's an escape. It's a way to process life. It's a way to deal with stress. It's a coping mechanism for many. But how have motorcycles enriched your life? Like how has how have two wheels inspired you to move forward and onward and upward? I mean, it's completely changed my life. Like I could not. We'll talk. We'll talk about it, girl. We'll talk about it. How? Hey, I'm getting there. Don't interrupt me now. Yes. (laughs) Um. I mean, it changed my. Completely. I couldn't even imagine not riding motorcycles or having the community or going to races. I mean, I would basically like probably be doing like ballet or dance, like if it wasn't for my dad, you know? Wait, wait, sidebar, sidebar. That's a great question. If not motorcycles, do you have any idea what you would, what would have been your passion? Did you have a backup passion in, in case it didn't come together? Um, I didn't. I mean, I. So it was all or nothing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my daddy used to take me out of school when I was younger, like to take me up to the go-karting tracks and he would be racing um, and I would just be hanging out. And that's basically was my life. Like, I know I did some like ballet and whatever gymnastics, but I guess that's where I could have fallen if it wasn't for motorcycles, which thank you, Jesus, that's not where. (laughs) Um, because it's definitely not me with the like fluttery skirts, although I am a wallflower, so right. it worked yeah. out. Um yes. but basically I guess my friend's group was not would not be so big in how it is on top of it. Like everyone in the motorcycle industry is like one of my really good friends, like you obviously. Amen. Um, imagine like if I didn't meet you or I didn't meet Vicky or I didn't meet all the other people or I wouldn't have probably I mean I would have traveled a lot but like I have I've been so lucky to travel with friends that like race professionally and I kind of get to be in that environment so it makes me really appreciative that I got into it because of my dad you know can we talk about your travels? Because the term jet setter doesn't really define you. You're a little bit, you know, you, I know you, so I know that you're up and out. But if you're looking at your social media, you bounce over, you're a globe bouncer. <laughs> that You are everywhere. And, you know, what's... <sighs> Let's talk about your global moto travels. Where's some of the fav- where's some of your favorite places that you've been? Countries, tracks, adventures. Give me top three. All right. That's a really hard question. That's what <laughs> I do. Listen, if it was easy, everybody would be doing this. I know, I know. I mean, I guess one of my favorite times of the year is when I got to travel um, with my friend who you know, John McPhee. Shout out uh, to John. This is Moto Three. Yes. Um, he's been killing it. He's, you know, his new team. Um, but basically one year I went to six races in a row. Um, were those European rounds? Yes. So it was the Red Bull ring, Bruno, Silverstone, Misano and Aragon. So I did all GP, all GP, right? Yes. And 
that was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. Like traveling to all the races. What made it, what made it fun? Being at the races and kind of <laughs> not even be like, it's different when you're in the stands. Yeah. And then when you're in the box, when you're with like the riders, when you're with the team, you kind of get to see like what other people can't see. And it makes you really appreciate the sport, how hard that the riders work, that the mechanics work, you know, it's just, they're constantly working on the bikes, making sure everything's fine, like data, checking everything. Like, it's not just like you hop on the bike and you go, or there's just a bike sitting there. Like they have to know how the setup for certain tracks are um, and power source and, you know, figure out the tire situation. And it's just so cool. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. It's, it's a, lot of work. a lot of work. Like they don't just, you know, finish the day and say, okay, let's go to dinner or let's go out. Like they still have to take the bike apart and clean every part and, you know, get everything ready for the next day. If it's not the end of the race day, you know, they still have to get it ready for the next weekend. Right. So they're constantly like working really hard and it's just really cool to be around and see. And then of course, you know, being with everyone, going out to dinner, eventually like, you know, Sunday night, hanging out, going out to party. Like it's just a really good time and you're around people that, like what you like, you know? So it is like, it's a family. Mm. Like you may not see them every day or you may have not known them for six years, 10 years, but it's a family. So it's really cool. I like that. I like how you said that. I think a lot of times you're right. Uh, you know, like, you know, I know, you know, but in, in people don't often, I'm not going to say the average motorcyclist or average motors, motorcycle race fan, they don't always get to watch from our point of view. Like we get to watch from in the box. We get to watch in the garage. We get additional access. I think it's fair to say to the whole organization, be it world Superbike, be it MotoGP, be it Moto America, you know, we get to see things. And so I think our level of appreciation it's just a little bit more, just a little bit more, because as you said, it's not like, oh, wow, there's a checkered flag. All right, everybody shut it down. Let's go out to dinner and have a good time. Okay. The work that happens after the race, the data that's being processed, all the information from how the bike performed to tires to engine performance to whatever, all the electronics, all of that has to be processed and, you know, populated, you know, into information that can be read and utilized. It's it's all of that stuff. That's a lot of work, you know. So it's cool that we get to see them. I'm, I'm basically giving, our, giving ourselves some props here. It's very cool that we get to see all the extra bits that go on. So I don't know. But what about, what about what's, you know, World Superbike... And GP, do you have a particular favorite? Is it one over the other or is, or no, is it equal love? Um, I mean, they're completely different series, you know, um, world Superbike are bikes that, you know, are not as, I guess you could say high end <laughs> as right. the MotoGP bikes. Um, I mean, they're bikes that we can basically get our hands on. You know. They're basically production bikes yeah. that, yeah. So it's not like MotoGP. So that's why I think it's completely different. Um, and then the way the whole series runs is completely different. Having like two race days versus one, you know, how they change it up the second day um, is just so different. I mean, I, perf I, I guess it's hard to say because it's different when you go to a race that's in America versus Europe. Like I've only been to a World Superbike race in America. Okay. So I don't think I can fully judge it because it's just like saying you go to a race, a MoGP race in Austin, but you've never been to Europe. Like it's going to be a completely different ball game. It is way cooler. It's way more intense. And the amount of fans there basically like craps on the American fans, you know? Mm, why, now why? Tell me why. I, I know why, but let the listeners you know, what, give your take on why fandom, motorcycle race fandom is completely different in um, Europe. Basically in Europe, they grow up with it. You start 
when you can walk um, versus America. Mm. That is not. Even in the womb, in utero, motorcycles are in utero in Europe. You and your mama's stomach, and your mom's yeah. probably playing. <laughs> okay, you probably listening to engines rev yeah. while you're in your mama's stomach. So when you pop out, it's like, where's my motorcycle? <laughs> I am a baby. Yes, I am a baby. Yes, but where's my motorcycle? I need to ride. I need, don't, don't give me the pacifier. Give me the motorcycle. So <laughs> what accent is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. It's, um, not, so, it's yeah. not so damn it. I can make it up if I want to. Yeah, I mean, you you're you do a lot better at accents than me. Don't even have me try. Um, <laughs> please don't. But basically, it's just so different, and I kind of understand it because I spent a lot of time in Europe. And if you, it's not like you have to start racing motorcycles, which they do most of the time. But it's like to get around. It's by scooters. Like it's not here. Like people don't really ride scooters. They drive their cars, you know, they maybe take buses. So it's just a completely different thing. Like sports in America is like football, you know, baseball there. It's like motorsports, 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 and then like soccer. So it's just so different. And so many people I know kind of, I mean, they did grow up in it from the minute they exited the womb. Um, and like me, my dad was very into it, but I didn't necessarily like start when I was two, three years old. You know, it was maybe like I was five and I started with um, four wheelers and then moved on from that. Did a little bit of dirt biking, too. I mean, of course, there are the people that do like the motocross kids, you know, they start early, too. But it's just a completely different ball game in Europe versus America. So like there, for example, I was in Indy for the GP. Mm-hmm. I think I've like tweeted something about the Indy GP and I can't remember how it happened, but like a hotel replied to my tweet and mm-hmm. was like, Oh, you're here racing MotoGP, like blah, blah, blah. Come stay with us or visit us or something. And I was just like, I mean, one, that's awesome to think that I would be. Yes, <laughs> that's, Um, And it kind of was like, wow, that just shows you like they have no idea. Right. I mean, yes, girls can race. There were, they were two in the series. Um, But just to think like, oh, you know, you're here, you're racing. You must, you know, like it's, it's just so weird, you know? (laughs) You know what, real quick, you touched on something that kind of, you know, I think is becoming more prevalent and it's always been prevalent, but um, you know, I, I'm being in the position that I'm in and with my ear to where it is. I just want to ask you, what are your, are things getting easier being a female rider? And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. There, It's a male dominated industry. It's a male dominated sport. Um, so I would say 90% of the items, everything from apparel, gear, uh, uh, 90% of the things that are being produced in the motorcycle industry are for male riders. There's a small specter, small sector of the market that is accommodating to the female rider. Do you feel, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do you feel? I don't want to just say, how do you feel like being a, a chick that rides? Cause you're not a chick that rides. You are a motorcyclist that happens to be a female, you know, much respect. How do you, what do you what's your take on that? Um, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Um, some of a person and I were having this conversation because we, as female riders, we don't like pink, you know, some girls do, but like, I can't stand pink. I don't want to wear pink. Like, yeah, sometimes I, I will have, I have things in my closet that are pink, but <laughs> it's, don't laugh at me. I am laughing <laughs> like, at you, but go ahead, continue. Like you, like you don't want, you like to wear all black. Yes. You know? Like we want to wear all black too. We want to have white in it. We want to have yellow. Like we don't want butterflies and swirls and, you know, that nonsense. And it's gotten a lot better. Did you just call it nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> yes, nonsense. You don't want that nonsense. And the flowers, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like that, why do we have to have that on our gear? Right. You know? And it has gotten a lot better. And nowadays, like there's smaller companies who are catering to women and making it less feminine, but still feminine. You know what I mean? Like it's still 
makes us look womanly. Like it's not baggy. It's not like boyish, you know what I I mean? And it actually fits our body really nice and shows that we are women, but without having flowers and squirrels (laughs) and stars and pink and the ridiculousness that these companies would put onto us. Um, Do you feel like there's a company now that's a little bit more ahead of the curve in catering or not? I don't use, no, I don't like the word catering. We're not talking about catering. We're talking about addressing the needs of the female rider. Yeah. So I would say Alpine Stars and Dainese do a really, really fabulous job. Okay. Um, That's basically what I wear. Um, For boot wise, I like shoes from or boots from Dainese um, just because they're not, they don't have all just racing boots. They have lifestyle. So, you know, when I'm going riding for like an hour, like I just want like a simple boot that I can walk around. And I know Alpine Stars has some too, but I own more of the Dainese. Um, But then I have some Dainese jackets, which I love, but I also have Alpine Star jackets that I love as well. So I think they're both just doing a really, really great job with it. And even like their leathers, like this past weekend, which, you know, like um, for the Pirelli track day, Alpine Shout out to Pirelli. Yes. And shout out to Alpine Stars. Um, They lent me gear and their leathers just fit me so comfortably. and it almost like it was measured for me. You know what I mean? Like it looked like it was my leathers and that's something like you kind of can't get. Um, So I just think they're, they're doing a really good job at catering to women. And they always bring like for the probably track days, they always bring so much for women. And like, Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned it to you this track day. I've never seen so many women there. Like it was amazing. Like I was actually got like, what's the word? I was shy. Like I couldn't even talk to women because I was like, I am not used to being around this many women. You, you know, pause, pause, pause. You and that, you and that shy shit can get out of here, <laughs> but go ahead. Continue. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it's just, it's just crazy. It's, it was really awesome to see all the women out there and all the women looking great in their leathers and their boots and their help, you know, like it's just, it's just an awesome thing to see. Um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, the, you know, I remember you saying that to me and I looked around and you know what, like me, I don't, I don't really count heads like that. You know, you know, that's just the way my vision is set up that, you know, I see riders first, but when you said that to me and I looked around, you know, it's like there was a considerable and only in comparison to the prior years, I guess that's the only reference point that yes. I had is that in, in comparison to the uh, Pirelli VIP track day at Laguna from the last couple of years, this year, there was a significant increase in female riders. And when you brought that to my attention, I was like, wow, you know, that is, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. And they looked fantastic in their leathers and they were looking even more incredible out on the track, getting some, turning in, you know, turning in laps. You know, burning some rubber, getting they it in. They were chilling out there like they were impressive. <laughs> what? What? How did you do that day? How would you make out? Um, I did pretty well. I mean, my first time out, I was a little nervous. I haven't done a track day in like at least two years. I realized that day, so I psyched myself out a little. Um, I just, did. Wait, I did tell you at one point. I was like, "Yo, you are overthinking this whole entire <laughs> situation. If you don't stop complaining and just get out there and ride." I know. It's just about like waiting to go out. So you start like overthinking things. And then when you come in and you have to wait like another hour to go out, you're just like, you keep thinking and thinking. Cause like, what are you going to do? Like you're sitting there, you're waiting, you talk to people here and there, you talk about how like it was being out there. So you, you do overthink it. Yeah. Um, I had a blast my first time out. Um, it was great. I just had to like take my time, get familiar with the bike. Um, it's just, I was telling someone that it's so hard riding other people's bikes mm. because you have to be careful. And I mean, yeah. there's like, they know people are going to wad up the bike. Yeah. But Did you see that V4 that wadded up on the second session? Um, I heard about it. Yeah. Oh, it happened right in front of me. Like it was, it, I think it's turn four, turn four. And 
at Lagoon. I think it's the right-hander. I can't come around the right-hander and like, boom, there's this V4 in the middle of the track. And the rider was off to, you know, to the side. He was standing. And so, and they yellow, you know, they yellow flagged it. But I'm like, okay, so, you know, you cooked another lap. I come back around. It's another yellow flag at the same spot. And I'm thinking like, what could it be? I go around and there's a flatbed truck <laughs> in the middle of the track. I'm like, what? They should have just stopped the session. But, yeah. you know, it was cool. But it was, there was a flatbed truck parked <laughs> on the side of the asphalt. I'm like. What, what, a, what a nice surprise, right? Oh, yeah. It was good times. Good times, so. But oh. no, that was just an excellent, excellent. But any time spent on the bike, on the track, especially riding the, you know, iconic uh, circuits like Laguna, the corkscrew and everything. And, you know, it's, uh it's blessed. I already miss it. Like, I want to go back. Like, I, I feel, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time at that track. I could we're both East Coast. Um, so to get, I think it would be dope to have a two-day, if we could have three days. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Awesome. Right? That would be camp awesome. Here? But the one thing <laughs> what'd you say? I said in camp there and have like a job oh. there, like that's a party. We need to do it. You know, <laughs> shout out the track days, the organization that yeah. actually, yeah, they, you know, the track organization that actually runs uh, logistics for the operations for the uh, for the Pirelli VIP track day. Shout out to those guys and ladies that put that on. I mean, I'm, you know what? I'm Black Moses might just have to make a, a independent trip out there for a two day. I think that's what's going to happen. I think I I'm going to happen. You're taking me with you. Say it again. <laughs> what's, you going to come with? You, you, you going to come with? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll make, we'll, 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 we'll figure that part out. Maybe we can get time to come out too and give us some pro tips. Um, show us where to take it in. Listen. Or we give him some tips. You never know now. You know what? <laughs> Shout out to, to, our, to our bro, bro, Tom Sykes. Tom is... Tom's just Tom. There, there is, there is not another. I don't think the world would be prepared if there were two Toms, because I think we, the universe, can barely deal with the one Tom that we have. Um, I just love him. I just love him. He's one of the greatest guys, and uh, just such a great guy. He's just good for a good time. Love you, Tom. Um, Debbie Ducati. I want to know how did we get that name. Um, so basically when Instagram was not cool yet, <laughs> um, it was like, it wasn't a popular, I mean, I had another account, but I made a new one cause I couldn't get into my old one and it still wasn't, it wasn't popular. And I didn't really know what my username should be. Okay. Like I just want my first and last name, like, you know, who does that? Right. Um, so I was trying to think what I could put and I grew up with the nickname Debbie. So I was like, okay, what rhymes that? And since I loved motorcycles and obviously Ducatis, it was my first bike and I still love them. Um, I just figured Debbie Ducati rhymes and there it just went, <laughs> just created it. I, I dig it. I dig I mean, it's, look, look, I, look I, for a, a grown man who calls himself Black Moses, um, I, you know, I... I, I understand the need to have catchy names and, and to be referenced in a catchy manner. It's how you build a brand and build brand equity. So uh, I it, it works for me. I just had never asked you how it got to Devi Ducati. Yeah, just, uh, it works. Me. <laughs> <laughs> just a random thing, like a few minutes. I was like, Devi Ducati, cool. That sounds fun. <laughs> I can dig it. Do you have any faith? All right. So out of our adventures, okay. Our adventures. Do you have one that you can talk about legally? Uh, <laughs> and you know, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it in front of you. I'm going to give you the ball. If you want to talk about it, you can. If not, if there's a more pleasant memory, uh it, <laughs> If there's something less incredulous that we can discuss, but do you have a favorite moto memory? I mean, I have, I mean, we have tons of memories. I'd really have to sit here and like think what my favorite is because they're all awesome. 
Um, but I know you want to talk about that. So that's fine. You can question me. Yes. Been, to do that for the past few months. So fine. <laughs> Look, I don't know if we should though. No, you know why we're not going to do it? We're not going to do it because what occurred that let's just, okay, let's just sugarcoat. We're shook. We will for basically know here we'll, what we're talking about. We always have great times and yes. no matter what happens or how the night goes, or if it's a boring night, we make it fun and we're here for each other. And that's basically it. Like every time I go out with you, I hang out with you. It's like, you're my brother, I'm your sister and we have each other's backs and it's always turns out to be a great time. <laughs> Yes, well said. And you know what? And, and I'll put this little cherry on top. The last adventure, when your dad texted me and said, thank you for keeping my daughter out of jail. <laughs> I think that sums up everything. Yeah. That says everything without saying anything at all. Yes. Listen, man, listen. I'm not going to take up too much of your time. You know, I love you. And, and you know, I'm, I finally got you on the show. What do you mean? We're going to be talking here for three hours. Well, <laughs> we could, we could, we could, we got enough story. We got enough, we got enough content to keep it going, <laughs> but I want to move into, you've listened to the show and you know that it's time for the super pole section <laughs> of the show. You, you know what that is, right? You're hip. No, I think you need to explain it to me. I, not a problem at all. So the Super Bowl question is when I ask my guest three, sometimes four questions, and it's rapid response. It's okay. your rapid truth. You speak your truth. I ask you a question. And it's not so much the first thing that comes to your mind, but it's your first honest truth. Your first truth is your real truth. So it's the honest, honest response is what we're going for. Debbie Ducati, are you ready for the Super Bowl section? No, I'm not. Two minutes, two minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Get over it. Here we go. <laughs> Question number one. Tupac or Biggie? I knew Biggie was coming. Biggie. Biggie? Mm -hmm. Any particular reason why? Um, I don't know. I just prefer his music a little bit more. Okay. I just grew up listening to him a lot more than Tupac. Okay. Respectable answer. There are no wrong answers here. There are no wrong answers here. And I respect that answer. Moving on. Question number two, Mark Marquez or Mark <laughs> <laughs> Valentino Rossi. Mark. Mark. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. He's a badass. He's like my spirit human. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, so do you, so no love loss for Rossi, but you're strictly Marquez. Yeah, I mean Rossi's a badass too, but um, of the two badasses, they're both badass. But you know, Mark is more badass. Preferred. <laughs> okay. Good I mean, again, like no, you make me feel bad, but I just I think he's awesome. What he does, he kills. It. I mean, Rossi's killed it. Rossi cont continues to kill it. But also, like, for me, it's like, I I mean, I've met both and I've spoken to both, but I have gotten to know uh, Mark and his brother a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I just think that they're always so happy. Like, I never see them upset. And they're always smiling, especially Mark. Like, people tell me, my dad tells me, they're like, he is so awesome. Like, he is living his life. Like, he never is frowning. He's never upset. Always has a smile on his face. Like, he always makes sure to, like, go to his fans. And he takes, like, so much time to do that. And that's, like, also what's part of the sport, not just the racing part. So I think overall, like, he's just such a good character. And, you know, I've been lucky to kind of um, talk to him and see that a little bit more. Yeah. So that's why I choose him. Nothing wrong with that. That's a very great answer. Moving on. Final question of the Super Bowl section. Mm -hmm. If you could take a ride with anyone alive, no longer with us, biblical fictional, non-fictional, uh, mythological, where would you ride to? Who would you, wait, first, who would you ride with? Who would it be? Like, where where, where would you ride to? And most importantly, <laughs> yeah, 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 ride, ride, ride. I Two know. wheels. So, you funny. So, who would it be? Where would you ride to? And what would you be riding? Wow. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Easy question. No, easy, easy. We don't do easy in life in the fast lane. 
Black Moses doesn't know what that word means, easy. Do you need some more time? <laughs> I definitely do need time. That's like such mm-hmm. a difficult. Speak your truth. Speak your truth. I like, I can't even, a name hasn't even like really come. Um, I mean, to. I thought briefly about something. I just. Okay. Well, what was it? Go with that thought. Go with it. I like, I obviously like, you know, that's kind of like hard, harsh or hard topic. Um, probably I would have loved to, which I have on the track in Thunderhill. Once I was lucky enough to ride with um, Nikki, Hayden, obviously. Um, but I would love to, or I would have loved to ride with him a little bit more and kind of learn from him. So, I mean, that was kind of the first thing that popped in my head. No. Just because, you know, I didn't know him that well. Like I've met him a few times. I had a friend that was very, very, very close with him. Um, I just think, you know, he was an amazing rider and he seemed like an amazing person and you know him very well. So yeah. you you already know kind of basically what I'm talking about or what sure. I think he was. Um, but I think he would be a really cool person to ride with and learn and kind of just hang out with him. Yeah. I did meet his parents. I've spoke to them a little bit, um, a few times. So I just think like, they're all just an amazing family. And he's just, he seems amazing again. Like I'm not going to act like I know him completely. I've met him two times probably. Um, but I think it's like one of those things, like he was such a badass, and I would love to ride with someone like him. If I could, so. Good answer. Yeah. Good answer. Um, Debbie, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I said where, I do not know, but yeah. Do you know what you would be riding? B4R. (laughs) 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 Throw him on the Ducati again. Good answer. I can. Good answer. Hey, listen, man. Listen, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. (laughs) Do you have anybody that you want to give a shout out to, say thank you to, props to? I mean, there could be a whole list. How much time do I have? No, I'm just kidding. Um, for sure, you. Hey, no, I got the dogs barking, of course. And the dog wants a shout out as well. Shout out to the dogs. Clearly, they had they wanted to put their word in. Um, obviously you, even though you didn't come to Miami, once again, yes, I'm going to mention that. I'm still waiting. You have a few weeks to come down here. Um, We are no longer friends. Um, obviously Vicki Smith, always, always there with me, putting up with my shit. (laughs) Um, my father. Of course. Mr. Shiftek, who needs to get out there and come to more races. (laughs) Agreed, agreed. Mm-hmm. And then for sure, Alpine Stars and Arai, because they always hook it up. They helped me this weekend um, for the Prelly Track Day. And yeah, there could be more to come, but I won't bore you all. <laughs> I can dig it. Listen, listen, man. Who can, like, how can followers and, and listeners of Life in the Fast Lane follow you and, and show you love? What are your social platform accounts? Shout it out. Um, so I pretty much only use my Instagram, which is at Debbie Ducati. Um, my Twitter is the same handle. I just don't really use it that much. And I definitely don't post a lot of motorcycle things on Twitter. It's basically like travel stuff or little things like that. Um, so yeah, probably just Instagram at Debbie Ducati. Word. Buddy, I appreciate and I love you. Thank you. Yes, I love you too, Miami. Uh, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> listen, listen, man. Hey, I want you to, uh, you know, enjoy everything that's coming your way. And I just want to take a moment to say, you know, you're right. Everything that, you know, when we're in the same place, is definitely an adventure. You enrich my life. Uh, you're the, if I had an actual little sister, because I'm the youngest in my family. I'm the youngest of six. If I had a little sister, huh? it'd be you. It'd be you, because you're just, you're red like that. You're red. Thank you. I have no siblings, so if I had a brother, you'd be home. <laughs> rock, rock on. I like that. That's how it works. Listen, I will talk to you sooner than later. 
Thank you. And uh, before you say it, I'll say it, Miami. How about that? Miami, yes. All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye. Love you. Love you too. Bye. That's our show for this week. I want to say thank you to Debbie Ducati and my little homie, my little sister for hanging out with your boy, Mr. Black Moses. Um, she's definitely, definitely someone to watch and, and check out her action over at Debbie Ducati on Instagram. Make sure you follow her. You dig? She's Black Moses Supreme. Now, listen, man. I need you all, I need you all to follow the show on Instagram at Life in the Fast Lane Official, on Twitter at L-I-T-F-L Official, and on Facebook, Life in the Fast Lane Podcast. Please hit that like, hit that share, hit that subscribe button, and we'll be back here next Friday with an all-new episode of Life in the Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. I'm going. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.